Well, it is a very long time since oh, we have podcasted. Time. And here we are in what one of my children calls Chat 10 headquarters. Well, it is Chat 10 HQ. It's got your piano in it and it's got incredibly beautiful clashing patterns. So it's got beautiful wallpaper, beautiful blinds, beautiful sofa cushions and sofa, all in madly um, matching and nicely tonal patterns it's kind of like a, a womb i actually it, want to gestate in here permanently my the child who refers to it as chat town headquarters when we first um came in after it had been wallpapered I'll, I'll put a photo up so people can see what we're talking about um he said i, I feel like i'm just inside a present <laughs> And that is the feeling because the wallpaper's kind of wrap, a bit wrapping paper-esque. But there's a real talent, don't you think, to that ability to put together things that are kind of superficially clashing but actually complement each other really Oh, yeah, amazing. it's, it's very hard to do. I'm very just looking bold. at the lampshade as well, which is just a completely other pattern altogether. And I just, yeah, I, I respect people who can just go... That look, will look great with that, even though you wouldn't necessarily think Absolutely. so straight away. It reminds me a bit of, um, I mean, it's very different style-wise, but it reminds me of Matisse, where you have a lot of clashing colours and patterns, but yeah. they're actually not clashing at all. It works really well. But, yeah, do not try this at home. <laughs> Bring in Get some professional help. Yeah, I know. I've had a few amateur shots that have done very, very badly. <laughs> but it's nice to see you again. I mean, I've seen you a little bit, not very much, because it's been a bit crazy. Um, but sorry to everybody that we haven't done a podcast for so long and it's been interesting to see that kind of you know what started as polite inquiries um <laughs> just like really started to harden into just a pelting shower of like where are you people and why haven't you produced um, and well look i mean there's a fair bit to to recap but like to be completely honest i've been out of it for a couple of months because my brother died very suddenly um and uh, he took his own life, which made it even more um, sudden and shocking. It was a great surprise. And far out, man. Jeez. Um, that's it. Um, I mention it because I'm not a fan of secrecy around these things or shame. Um, but, yeah, wow, there is nothing like that sort of event to really just... It's like a meteor coming from the sky. And the thing that's very, uh, I think, difficult for anyone in that situation, but, you know, particularly observing you up close, is... um your job requires you to be on all the time. Yeah. So when, you know, a horrific thing like that happens to you, it's very difficult because, I mean, you don't, the last thing you feel like doing is coming and being all bubbly and chat tenny and yeah. chatting about and having a laugh and, you know, yeah. being on in that kind of a way. Um, and so the best thing and the only thing for us to do was to just take a bit of time to step away. Yeah. I sort of didn't know really how to address it. You know, because this sort of podcast does feel very intimate, but I know that lots of people listen to it. So anyway, I had to talk to my mum and dad about it. And um, we all agree that, you know, secrecy is a bad thing around this stuff because it happens everywhere, right? And people, you know, get a bit sort of like, ooh, died suddenly or whatever. And, you know, you can't skate around it, I think, as a, as a societal issue. Um, that said, look, I... Um, when it happened, um, I was right in the mi middle of filming Tomorrow Tonight, which is um, the second series of a show that um, I did a couple of years back with Charlie Pickering. And um, and we were halfway through filming it and there was this... I had this kind of decision about, well, look, you know, should I pull out? Um, but in the end, 
I went on and finished the rest of it, um, which was the most weird experience. I did so with the very strong encouragement of my parents um, and younger brother um, because they felt really strongly that, you know, there should not be more waste out of this event, right? And that because if I couldn't be there, that the whole show would have to be pulled, right? A waste of people's work, of people, you know, be putting people out of job and so on. So I did this weird thing where I did this sort of full dissociation, which was completely, I don't know, it's the strangest thing I've ever done. Um, anyway. Yeah, it, uh, when I was writing Any Ordinary Day, it was talking about, um, I mean, you didn't do this, but just when you said dissociation made yeah. me think of it, um, talking about how denial is a protective uh, mechanism. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and that a lot of people initially, if a bad thing happens in their life, will go into denial. And that's not necessarily bad because it actually, it's very difficult, as you know, for your brain to process mm. sudden trauma. It's like you just have a train mm. crash in your brain. You, mm. you know, you become vague, you can't concentrate, you can't yeah. focus. Yeah. Um, and so you, your brain has had such a shock, it tries to just do whatever it can to protect itself yeah. and so particularly for you having to continue working where there's you know 50 people or whatever whose jobs that week depend on you fronting up to yeah. do your job um there really is only one way to do that and that is to squash it up yeah into the corner pack it right down <laughs> pack it right down look it was a fascinating experience because what i did like i did a specific technique so it was filmed in melbourne i didn't really see anyone in melbourne i just went to my hotel where i was staying and I would, like, talk to my family and make all the phone calls that, you know, need to be made when something like this happens. And then um, we were filming two shows a day because it was a massively, con like, compacted shoot because of COVID. Um, and so we were shooting from, like, about 10 a.m. till about 10 p.m. And so I'd get all my calls done before 10, and then I would turn my phone off, and then I'd go into the ABC building, and then if I had to make a call during those hours I'd step out of the building so I kind of made it so like the building was oh, a place where yeah. this thing had not happened right and it actually look I mean A I think I might be a monster that I was capable of that um let's unpack that at length with the professional help um but b it was really like at some points it was sort of a relief to actually have that building where i could pretend that it hadn't all happened actually. yeah really interesting I mean everybody has sort of madly different ways of experiencing grief and I reckon like what happened is that yes that worked and then the the second I stepped out of that building mm. on the last night I had a complete screaming meltdown which yeah. to the great puzzlement um, of people around me because I hadn't told people because I thought I can't tell anyone because I will absolutely fall apart the second kind of, somebody says how I am. Yeah, kind of people walking up to you all week and grabbing your hand and looking you deep in the eyes and going, so right. how are you? I know, exactly. <laughs> I, can, I can handle it so long as no one is kind. But that shouldn't stop you from now, Chatters. If you see her in the street, yeah, just, straight oh. up, grab her on the hand. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was speaking of Chatters barreling up to in the streets. I was in a uh, hailing a cab yesterday to go and interview Scott Morrison. I was with Chris, my makeup artist, and I was wearing... Um, I had a suit on and I had black heels that I was meant to be wearing, but we couldn't get a cab outside the ABC. We had to walk down to George Street because there was no cabs. So I ran back inside to get a pair of, like, therapeutic sandals because yes. my feet were too sore. And so I've got schlepping up the road with Chris in his makeup bag and me in a very schmick-looking suit but with, you know, basically massive but sandals. <laughs> and uh, this woman walked past me and Chris and she went, Hey, I'm a channel! And then came the 
thumbs up. Anyway, Chris was laughing. He just said, that's hilarious. I said, it happens all the time. Oh, my gosh. It happens all the time, you dear people. Um, <laughs> and I love the chatter is the least caring person to see you in a pair of massive sandals and <laughs> yes. a schmick suit. It was funny because we then got out at one Bly Street where the Prime Minister's office is and there was a whole lot of corporate-y kind of people sitting around <laughs> having drinks at a bar that's right near there. And I just stopped in the street and slipped out of the sandals yeah. and put the proper heels on and sort of marched in looking very professional. But Look, Tower Roll is you nailed it. <laughs> sensible shoes in bag. Um, um, anyway, look, I mean, n- not to uh, press the point, but, like, please watch tomorrow tonight because it was fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Crab in a shameless bid oh, for, for the sympathy view. I know. Well, like, surely I win with that, right? Oh, I, I mean, think, I mean that's going to rain its tits off now that you said that. Yeah. And, of course, like, because I do feel like 2022 is, like, this cursed year. Like, I mean, I know the other years have been cursed, but this one does feel a bit, like... You know, oh my god! Like it just kept on coming, and we had to well, postpone the funeral because we got COVID. It was just like whoa, culminating in you attempting to stop at two bakeries on the way to here, and both being closed. I know, so, yeah, I, yeah. That was, I mean, my life is unbearable. Obviously, these first world problems keep mounting up. But um, I agree, there is a lot of crap going on at the moment. But there is one great thing that happened that makes me so happy, which is that a man by the name of Justin Stevens has been appointed head of ABC News. Yeah, um, wow. And you and I were both saying last week on the day it was announced that we were just walking around like really happy because it was one of those things where when good things happen to good people um, and he's a he's been the executive producer of 7.30 for I think four years um, and was my personal producer like Hot Callum he, he was Hot Callum pre-Hot Callum yeah. um, so he did that job for three years. Are you an incubator? Are you a talent incubator? <laughs> you seem to be. <laughs> I'll take the credit. Um, so he is a just fantastic human being like just so emotionally intelligent yeah, just a, a wonderful man. kind lovely person and just ridiculously competent just yeah insanely competent person so mature brilliant judgment um amazing leader just brilliant and so it was one of those appointments where um i you know just went and was pleased to see a lot of reaction from people just going, wow, fantastic, that is so great. Yeah, I did wonder if they'd make that appointment because he's so young, he's, what, 37 or something yeah. ridiculous. But um, but anyway, I just, it was a like a really clever, good appointment, I think. And yeah. I love how you've mentioned that, like it's the only piece of ABC movement, what's on news that's happened <laughs> since we last sat together in front of this, well, in yes. front of this phone, really, because, sorry, this is, we've, we've returned to crappy audio. Yeah, we just couldn't just, find we studio time. Yeah. Because we're a bit disorganised. Yeah, um, not only is the 7.30 executive producer moving on, the 7.30 anchor's moving on, yeah. So since we last potted, um, in fact, we knew when uh, we last potted that I was going to pull that stunt because yeah. um, we had talked about it at length on our retreat up in the country. Um, yeah, so I pulled the pin, which was... Um, a long time coming, like a, a big decision and lots of factors in it. Um, but, oh, man, that was a stressful day having yeah. to, the announcement of that because I was in Melbourne to interview the US Secretary of State, so I had a regular oh. high-stress day. Yeah. And then secretly behind the scenes was this – because when I, I only told the managing director – 
24 hours before we were announcing it because yeah. I wanted to just not get talked out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, and also do it really fast because so, I didn't want it to leak. I thought that would be really disrespectful to the audience and, and to my colleagues. It's a big yeah. thing when oh, someone that's it. been yeah. in a job for a long time moves. So we had only two or three people that were in the loop. Um, and so I'd be prepping for this thing and then secretly off on the phone to Justin going, okay, is the press release ready to go? And now we've let this person into the loop. And Did you give it a project name? <laughs> no, we didn't, but we should have. Project Ginger Nut Out. <laughs> um, project Red Pill. Project Ginger Extermination. Um, yeah, and then we got the whole way to the show and it hadn't leaked, which was absolutely amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but it was very hard to um, stand there and say, you know, I'm know. leaving and stuff. It was a really good... And your then, statement um, was very good. And my phone, the good thing about being in Melbourne was I was staying with my friend Lisa Miller, so I was able to go home and, you know, be with someone I'm very yeah. um, tight with. And then, um, but my phone reacted like it was, I had to put it on silent because it was like one long beep for about oh three God. hours. Just there was so many Most messages. Of that was me just saying, you screwed that up. <laughs> And you know what you're going to do now, smarty? <laughs> you know, I hate, it stresses me when you show me your phone and there's like, you know, a thousand unanswered messages or whatever. Yeah. I'd look at it and there'd be like 128 oh texts. And then I'd, I'd go, I can't deal with the constant beeping. It's stressing me. So put it on silent. I'd pick it up 10 minutes later. It'd be at 161 or whatever. So, so did you, did you reply to all of those? That freaks me out, man. I did. Like, did Over you? time, not immediately. Yeah. And obviously people knew that things were nuts. So I didn't... Um, so, and I never, I mean, the social media, I wouldn't have even seen every message. There was just too many. I yeah. couldn't, couldn't deal with it. But it was like every contact I ever had. <laughs> texted right, me. yeah. And journos have a lot of contacts. So yeah. it was just like... Oh so God. it was insane. I woke up the next day. I've never had a migraine, but I had the most horrific headache that caused me to throw up, kind of thing, from the stress of the, oh you know, God. yeah, it was not very pleasant. Well, you for holding on to the news. I just, I mean, I remember when you first started um, 7.30, which was sort of when I was new at the ABC. Yeah. And I remember so clearly you saying to me, this is an eight-year gig. Yeah. This is an eight-year gig. I can do this for eight years. And then, well, 12 years later. Yeah, I remember thinking at the time, say, I remember distinctly having a conversation with Scott, Mark Scott and Kate Tawney, who was the head of news at the time, saying, um, I think that if you get to eight years doing this job and, you know, you haven't run out of puff or you haven't been shafted, that's an extremely good innings. blown yourself up in extreme circumstances. <laughs> yeah. It's an extremely good innings and 10 years would be, you know, beyond your wildest expectations. And so pretty much from eight years every year, I've just been doing a one-year kind of commitment to keep going. And then, to be honest, I, I mean, I do think the COVID period hastened my yeah. departure. Like everybody, I'm just absolutely knackered. And, you know, my kids have hit an age where they... Um, they like me to be home. I mean, last night was a classic of what I'm currently dealing with, which is uh, I interviewed the Prime Minister during the day. That's a very tiring and stressful day, and you finish it drained beyond belief. Came home. The kids, because they're 8 and 10, are still awake now when I get home, yeah. and so they want to see me, and they want my attention, and they want me to hang out with them, and they yeah. talk to me about their day. And I am just be so exhausted. And so it's well, hard. Because your day starts at, like, 7.30 a.m. Like, yeah. Right? Like, yeah, it's not totally. just, like, you just roll up at... And to totally. get a bit of makeup no. on. No, I mean, a day like when you're doing the PM, it's full bore from 6 a.m. where you're sort of up mm. reading the papers and then, you know, so, um, so yeah, last night I was thinking when I walked in the door, oh God, I just want to have like a whiskey and not speak. <laughs> but, you know, I hang out with the kids for 45 minutes chatting about their day and they've got, they were given this game by Annie Pam called um, The Art of Conversation. So they were like, Mum, how did you learn to drive and who taught you? <laughs> 
Oh, God. Oh, wow. Proper conversation. Interviewing an elderly person. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like off this list of like oh my God. questions. So I was just like, oh, God. But so that's, you know. It's coming to are. an end. And we've done our last budget together. We as have. Well. I know. And we're about to do our last election broadcast together. Totally. And I think of all of the people that are entitled to, to expect my time and attention, um, yeah. I think my children are top of the, top of the pile. So, sure. Yeah, so that's good. Well, you've been screwing them over for 12 years. <laughs> Oh my Short changing it. Look, let it be said that Sales is a highly attentive <laughs> parent. And well, when they're little, as you know, it's different because you can see them in the morning. And, yeah, you know, yeah, but once yeah. they're sort of enmeshed in school, it's a bit, bit yeah. trickier to knock sure. them out until 8.30. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, so it's been a pretty intense it's time. It's been nuts. But yeah, and we're about to, like, tomorrow start filming um, Back in Time for Dinner, a new season thereof, How which is going to be amazing, by the way. It's, it'll won't be on, on air for a while, but like, um, but but brilliantly, as Sod's Law twenty twenty two would have it, it is uh, the filming period for that show is um, neatly coinciding <laughs> with the election campaign. Nice, so well lovely, planned. lovely. Well so it'll be a seven day seven day week situation. Is uh, this your way of telling chatters that you should be grateful for this podcast because yes. the next one will be a long time coming? <laughs> oh no, we'll find we'll find a way. But like, it's just woo. Do you know what is exciting? That we are now finally. I mean. If you're saying this is probably going to jinx it, but with sort of COVID normalising, yeah. it means we have booked live shows again for the yes, back half true. of the year. that's true. That is exciting. And the first cab off the rank. I mean, it's been interesting because we've done two live shows in the past two years, yeah. which is one, oh, sorry, one, three, I think. We did Newcastle at the start of 2020, yep. before COVID started. Then we somehow miraculously squeezed a Brisbane show. How in did that happen? Total fluke. In about the two weeks when it was possible. Absolute fluke. Yep. Um, and then we squeezed in Canberra at the end of last year. But we're back. Um, the, there's two shows at the Edmore, which I don't know if you'll remember from last year, and this was Gwen's great idea. There's two shows, a Friday and a Saturday night. The Friday night's called the one that Sales organised, and the Saturday night's called the one that Crab organised. And we're surprised each other with the content so it should be a hoot and the end was always fantastic and of course um because jeremy is the kind of impresario who's organizing all this stuff and he of course again assures me that sales is completely organized (laughs) i am lagging behind but um i am you know i've got a few treats um, in store. Yeah, one of my things from last year can't happen this year, so I've got to try to get around it. Well, um, just, you know, welcome to 2022, baby. <laughs> just make something up. But what I'm um, really excited about and hoping definitely comes off is because um, WA chatters are often saying to us, when are you coming to WA? When are yeah. you coming to WA? We've only ever done one show in WA, and we've got two shows booked in WA Correct. this year. One in Albany. Yes. And one in uh, it Albany. Albany, Albany. I'm sure we're, we're going to you'll be get told. yelled at. You get there if you've done it <laughs> and wrong. And Perth, yeah. So that should be great in September. So we're crossing our fingers right. that it still comes off. Um, yeah, but look, I mean, seriously, and I don't say this as a sort of um, feckless kind of um, uh, rapacious opportunist, but like that, the Edmore shows in June. Um, it would be if you. If you feel like coming two nights, it would be worth it because they'll be completely different. Oh, they'll be totally different. different. They'll be completely different. So the idea is that on Friday night, sales has organised a show that I know nothing about. I just show up. And uh, the other way around on Saturday night. So we also haven't, and this I think is amusing, we haven't really agreed on whether the aim of the game is to mock and humiliate the other or to do something lovely for the other. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it'll be interesting to see what, what tack we, we choose. Yeah. Um, and whether um, we, you know, I mean, because if you do something, like, that's completely lovely for me on Friday night and I'm like, shit, this is like a total roast <laughs> of things that you would hate. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Friday night. I feel like our friendship will survive it. I think it will. Mm. I think I think either way it'll be it'll be entertaining. Um, hey, yeah. I watched Byron Bay's last night. Did you? Have you watched any of it? So. Uh, full disclosure, I started watching it, but I was like in bed yeah. and watching it on my phone and I fell asleep. And then that thing happened where, um, you know, when you, <laughs> you know, you wake up and there's a buzzing in your ear and you're on episode six and oh, you're like, oh, oh I yeah, don't know. Right. So, um, so there was a, a girl who was moving to Byron Bay. Yeah. She was sort of an aspiring singer. Then I fell asleep. Oh. No offense to Byron Bay's, which I'm sure is very, um, you know, gripping. I just was, I was so super tired. <laughs> so, but you have done I watched work. one episode. Um, Look, they're just terrible, and I loved it. <laughs> I'm going to be addicted to it. It's it's the kind of trash that I really like. Um, you are the sweet spot for this show. Yeah, I which is say. it's well shot. And Byron Bay, I'm, it's really funny because I've, ne- I've never been a big fan of Byron Bay because right. I don't like the kind of crystals vibe and the sort of, you know, alternate sort of hoo-ha. Yeah. Um, but so hilariously... <laughs> main characters i think her name's hannah she's this kind of sound healer or some nonsense mm-hmm. um she said at the start you know byron bay it's something about byron bay it's very spiritual it's the kind of place that embraces you or if you don't belong here it just spits you out and i thought no, it's clearly spit me out. <laughs> it didn't even have you in its mouth sales. Come on. you weren't even on the spoon um but it just it looks heavenly um and then it's episode one was kind of following two new arrivals in Byron Bay who are influencers, right? Trying to make a new friendship group with some other people who are models right. slash influencers. I seem to remember in my half asleep fun that there was some like massive drama about a party to which a person was invited yeah. who had had a falling out in some way with one of the other influencers yes. who was holding the party or going to the yeah. party, and there seemed to be a lot of knitted brows about that and, a, and a, yeah absolutely it was very kind of teenage girly actually um and a lot of you know well you need to apologize for me because i felt that you violated my boundaries and you know that kind of conversation there's one of, one of the girls um the one who said byron spits you out she is such a brilliant character that i keep feeling like you've got to be an actor like this has got to be a i can't believe it's a real person it feels so like there's no actors it's all it's, real a, it's reality tv but she feels like um the character is so fantastic that i just keep going oh you must be an actor this has got to be made up you're too fantastic um all right well you just so, yeah. lost um i don't know how many hours of your life to this oh, show completely. Obviously and gonna the other thing which i'm sure is the whole purpose the first shot where you saw people in Byron Bay, I was like, oh, I love that dress that woman's wearing. I should have a look online. If you oh, want. God. Like, straight away. <laughs> and can you find them because they've all got them up on the Oh, I'm sure know. they would, oh, yeah. In fact, Lord. the woman said, oh, my mother and I, we run a clothing business called Bisque. Like, look at me. I still remember it. Now I've just shared it on my own podcast. Oh, my God. They had great clothes. Bisque as in creamy soup. Um, I think so, yeah. Mm, yeah, interesting. Unless it's B-I-S-K. <laughs> I can't go in there. It's like... No, cr- biscuit, like biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't go in there. I, as a crab, I can't wear biscuit. <laughs> oh, this surname doesn't work out for me too often. Oh, God. Every now and again. Anyway, it it's just... It's the kind of well-produced <laughs> trash that I find... Thoroughly enjoyable. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't God. know if I'll end up sticking the whole way through. They might wear on me, but I certainly found it. It was like a David Attenborough documentary oh last God. night. All right, now you're making me want to watch it. All right, I'll, I'll give it another shot. I've been weird. Like, I haven't really been – I've been so um, short of attention lately. 
Like I've been doing really stupid things like burning out pots and forgetting, like getting times and dates wrong. Like I feel like my brain is actually working at about 30% capacity. Um, Which for most people, your brain at oh, 30% is, yeah. You're very kind, darling, but I've been doing some freaking stupid stuff. But um, <laughs> I, so I've been, I've been finding great enjoyment in doing just things that we couldn't do during lockdown, actually. So I've been to the theatre a few times, oh, which yeah. I've just found, I don't know, I feel a bit weird about talking to people. Sometimes I feel like, and I think this is part of it, partly a grief thing, like sometimes I get scared about like going to things where I'll have to talk to people because I feel like when they go, what, how are you? At some point I'll go, well, blah, 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 yeah. blah, you know, and it's sort of, you feel like you've kind of, completely horrified them because they they were just saying um how are you together kind of fine thanks yeah so i feel a bit like i'm completely just collapse and you know blurt at people i had this exact thing on your behalf the other day which was i went out to dinner with our friends nick and fleur oh yeah yeah. and as we were walking to the car um fleur said hey how's annabelle and i said oh she's doing all right and they looked (laughs) kind of puzzled and i said oh you know got a brother and they went no and so i went oh Really sorry to tell you, brother killed himself. And then they were like so like shocked and shattered on your behalf and I felt like, oh god, now I've wrecked their night. You know, so it was just sure, sort of Yeah, no, it's like a real turn to drop Yeah, in but like pool. as if yeah. I was gonna go you can't just go, Oh yeah, she's good. She's great. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah. So anyway, I mean it's just um one thing about going to the theatre that I've really loved in the last month or two is just being able to have absolutely no expectation on me to do or say anything mm. and just be sort of you know, entertain. Yeah. But also just to be with people but in a really low kind of yeah. contribution way. So I yeah. went to see White Pearl um at the Sydney Theatre Company, which um is its second return season and far out, that is a great play. So it's about um it's about a beauty company, beauty startup. They've got this product called White Pearl, which is a skin whitening cream. And they're based um in Singapore and um, there's this staff, they have this massive kind of scandal where um, they film an ad and it turns out to be like quite a racist ad. Like it's about, you know, if you don't whiten your skin, it means that you're a monster or something. Like so it's, and it wasn't ever supposed to be released, but then it is released. And so the staff of the, um, of the agency are basically managing the um, fallout and they're, all from different Asian countries. Um, so there's a Singaporean character, an Indian character, a, you know, um, Chinese character, Japanese character, um, Korean character. And so one of the things that the um, show kind of explores, apart from, you know, um, backlash and handling social media um, pylons and so on, meltdowns, is um, the sort of complex dynamic between these different Asian characters, right? Like, so, and it's, as a non-Asian person in the audience, it, like, it was really fascinating and also confronting and a bit challenging because you were like, am I allowed to laugh at this? Am I allowed to, like, it's really, it's such a well-written play and the performances were across the board absolutely spectacular. So I took my daughter and um, we... Um, we really love Melissa Gann, who plays um, Sunny Lee, um, who's from Singapore and has this sort of full kind of almost US kind of 
you're a prom brat kind of thing. Right. Like she's absolutely fantastic. Um, and Manali Datar is in it as the um, woman who kind of manages the agency, and she's also spectacular. And um, and there's another great character, Sharon Wu, who plays um, Zhao Chen, the Chinese character. Anyway, look, it's just. It's written by um, an Australian playwright um, and truly Felicia King, who um, I've, I've not seen anything of hers before, but I just was blown away. It was an incredible production. Have you been, speaking blown away, have you been back to see Dorian Gray? Because they're doing a return. I haven't. I've seen it twice, though, So, um, but it is back in Sydney. Yeah. You, I mean, it's, it's about to go to Melbourne, and then they're taking right. it to London and New York, which right. is fantastic. So It's been to Adelaide. Yeah, yeah, so just run, don't walk if you haven't seen that, the picture of Dorian Gray with Erin Jane Novel. It's so, so good. Yeah, it is. Um, it's the kind of piece of theatre that you will never forget seeing um yeah hey um you using the word agency before made me think of two things yeah. one of them is the fact that you've watched call my agent i have yes. and this is really it was so good because um i don't know like when i came back i've been back and forth to adelaide um which is where my family my extended family kind of lives um and then i got back from my first visit to adelaide after we finished filming and um, we all got COVID. So it was just like, oh, okay, righto, thanks, 2022, next up. And, but it, and I didn't feel too bad, um, just sort of a bit crap for a couple of days. But it was a really good excuse to not do anything. And so I just got, got I thought, oh, I'll try that Call My Agent show that sales is always crapping on about. And I just, mash down what five series yeah. is it? like yeah. in, a, in I don't know inside a week and it was magical actually because it was escapism I got super attached to the characters and it was just a great gift to me at a time where I was feeling sad like it was just you know amazingly entertaining escapism yeah so they're very I was thrilled they're lovely characters and you do get I mean at the end of it I felt like oh, I'm gonna miss all of you right yeah. like, I remember you saying that and I feel the same way too yeah and the setting of course because it's Paris is just so heavenly oh. hey uh, um that the other thing I thought of was I've watched season two of the Parisian agency which oh, I've talked about well, before I haven't watched any of that yet so oh, I'm, that's gonna, I'm gonna give it my standard treat. two years before I follow <sighs> your advice it's a real treat too but season two I mean I think I've said to you before it's a fan for very handsome um, yeah. young men, the two parents who run this luxury real estate agency and the grandmother who's this woman in her 90s called Marjo who's just in- extraordinary. Um, anyway, season two, episode three, I thought took things just to another level because it's oh. the apartments and houses they look at are all amazing because yeah. it's for very, very rich people. But this episode we went to Mont Blanc. People, this right. family was looking for like a ski kind of a chalet, you know, what do you, what do you call it when you own a house and the ski things? Yeah, chalet. chalet. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I call it. I was just audibly going, what? Like you've never seen anything like these houses, the design, the views. They were just jaw on the floor kind Ooh. of stuff. It was like nothing I'd ever seen in my life. It just was next level wealth and luxury. It was just astonishing. Anyway, it's just that show's just eye candy on every level. Ooh, it's okay. just and you say that from the from the comfort of the Chatter Central, you know, room. <laughs> it's about is it three by two meters? Look, if, it's if, enough for us. If Chatter Two Central Room just up out of the floorboards rose a table that you can choose to bring in anytime you wanted to have an actual meal in here, that okay. would be approaching 
having, you know, some of the extreme luxury. Get to work on that, would you? Yeah. Um, um, and it was great. Before we finish talking about theatre, because I know I'm, I'm banging on, but I also, Sorry. and I'm also banging on, you know, for some reason about these STC shows, but like they're the ones that I've seen of late. Um, but what's just opened is Blythe Spirit. The oh, yeah, you were raving about that. The company um, production of Noel Coward's play, which has been put on so many times over history. Like, it's like one of those hardy annuals, Blythe Spirit. And the storyline is um, husband and wife, um, and they're knocking along fine until they um, invite a local um, clairvoyant in and they have a seance and they accidentally summon the spirit of um, the husband's um, recently deceased first wife who is this kind of like <laughs> vengeful sort of kittenish kind of terrible you know annoyance who then hangs around and haunts them you know right. um, anyway so look I think it's it's one of those plays that doesn't evince huge excitement when you put it on because it's like just one it's a show that you know lots of people have seen there's, yeah. there's a film you know or whatever but oh my god seriously this production is off the charts. Really? It's right. Okay, so the the husband is played by Matt Day. Oh yeah. So I never really thought of him as a like a sort of super comedic actor. Maybe I just haven't seen enough of his oeuvre or whatever. Um, his comic timing is spectacular, oh. and they keep all the kind of English accents and whatever. So and um, so it's very like it's a bit Bertie Wooster-ish, which again could strike you as a bit not very. Um, Original, except far out. His wife, um, Ruth Condamine, is played by Bessie Holland, who just sprints away with the role. Like, wow, they are incredible stage presence, delivery, mellifluity. Oh, just that sounds so good. I just like screamed with laughter. Is that still on? Yeah, oh, I think it's only okay. just started. Like, I oh, went to the great. premiere like really recently, um, and. Just the there's um, a waitress, um, like sorry, maid rather, um, played by Megan Wilding. Just you know how like in the greatest sort of coward plays, there's just like raised eyebrows, facial expressions. It's just it's an incredibly modern production, but you can tell that the cast are a hugely tight unit who find each other fun. And oh, that, great. And it just crackles off the stage. It's like I, I can't tell you how much I enjoy this production. And and, and the Elvira, the first wife, is played by Courtney Act. Oh, who is just like, what a great decision. Right? She's like, she's just this shimmering kind of presence. Like she wears this kind of... Um, sort of pearl grey flowing gown, dressing gown throughout. <laughs> um, and also um, Courtney Act's hair is done in a sort of full Grace Kelly soft oh, yeah. curls. And then the makeup is kind of like a pearl grey shimmery. Oh, so, wow. So she looks like a, a spirit, but it's just this like physical flowing presence it's just yeah oh that sounds great yeah and there's magic tricks and there's all sorts of illusion and stuff it's just like it's the cast is almost faultless and um in fact there was one moment where two characters actually corpsed you know like they looked at each other and they couldn't stop laughing (laughs) and you know how like there's supposed to be a massive no-no in theater um i just 
loved it because it showed me how much pleasure they were taking in each other's company. Yeah. And you know how sometimes yeah. it's hard to spot, but sometimes on stage you feel like, mm, are you guys really, like, is this really working? It just works like a like a clockwork. There, yeah. There's a wonderful long-read article about the two actors who play Tom and Greg on Succession, and they Ooh. were talking about their difficulty not corpsing, and they love each other. They huh. get on really, really well in real life. Oh, right, that's um, so... Find each other massively entertaining yeah. and fun. And the interview, they're together a lot, and you can they're just bantering and riffing back and yeah. forth. And um, they were saying often they'll get the lines out, just get them out, and then I'll start corpsing, and they'll be... The guy who's Greg was saying, I just think to myself I just pray that they got a take before that half a second later I just lost it um so now when I'm not watching scenes I'm re- I've been re-watching Succession and I'm there's a particular scene where um Tom says to Greg something like he gives this historical anecdote about um Unix and he says you know I would I would if, if we were in that area Greg you know I would chop off your penis and marry you or something around <laughs> anyway they were talking about it in the thing and saying you know when they said it was so difficult to get the line out and then when Tom walked out of the room they were both just like collapsed in hysterics so I was watching it just seeing is there any hint that they're about to just completely lose it um, but there's a, there was a bit too that I was watching last night that made me laugh so hard when I, I mean there's many lines in that that I loved but they're at this Republican fundraiser with all these wealthy people standing around and Greg who's kind of the fish out of water character says oh I'm Feel, you know look at all oh, these people yeah. and Tom goes it's okay Greg don't worry it's a, the kind of safe space where you don't have to pretend to like Hamilton and Greg, <laughs> and Greg goes oh but but I like Hamilton and Tom goes we all like Hamilton Greg all <laughs> <laughs> oh, right I'm gonna start watching that again too because it I was so good I think I'm ready do you know can I just share one boring um musical thing sure is, you know so you know the theme music of Secession it's really discordant um i've always thought it's clever because it's discordant Mm -hmm. and so it gives you a sense of something being wrong and i've I've thought in my head why it feels kind of wrong is because of the discord and that it jumps kind of from sort of low notes that it's all over the shop but um i was watching it the other day with a friend and he said um it's what what have they done to make this you know sound so bad? And he pointed out that the actual it's played badly, like by a bad orchestra, like sound like a high school orchestra, and it's recorded kind of badly, probably like this podcast. Yes, exactly. Sounds, That's why we love it. It actually sounds like it's badly played. And then as soon as that was pointed out to me, then when I hear that theme played in the actual show, it's played properly, like it's played high quality. It sounds really beautiful. And yeah. I thought, oh my god, that is so clever. Like they've made. They clearly have to have made a conscious decision to make the theme music sound as like it's it's the exact same theme as the show, which is on paper it's kind of beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful piece of music. It's played by beautiful classical huh. instruments, and yet it just it gives you a like sense of unease, and it's because it's badly played and messy and discordant. Right, so it's about violence and mess behind. Beauty. You know, what should be a perfect what should be right. should yeah. be affluent and sumptuous yeah. it is sumptuous oh. music um and the other thing my friend said which was spot on was he said um doesn't it remind you of mad men the mad men music which is that um ding, 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 ding. oh what's it, what's the actual theme it sounds like oh, falling, I remember it's really falling yeah. no i've got succession music yeah. it's for it sounds very falling um hang on i can't oh, get no, it, I can't get music it in my head got a piano go on um 
Is there any better audio it than two women before. trying to remember a tune <laughs> unsuccessfully? Anyway, the Mad Men, and again, I thought, oh, it does. And it's that sense of there's something a bit wrong. And, and I think the Mad Men music, as you said, the visualism of that guy falling, the music also is kind of falling. It's like dropping, it's sequences of chords that are kind of dropping um, and it works incredibly well. Anyway. Hey, okay. Anna, we're getting... Oh, we've gone nine minutes what? over. This yeah. is outrageous. But look, I'm just conscious that we haven't given anyone any steers on books, and I know people often are tuning in to hear um, good books to read. So I've got a couple to, just to shove in. Okay. If you're able to indulge me for another couple of moments. Yes. Her, 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 her lips are in a <laughs> no, line. No, I'm just looking because I'm saying I've got some books too, but yeah. I'll save them for the next episode. Okay. Yeah. Well, um... One um, that I mentioned a few months ago, and I did the worst thing you can do to an author, which is I mentioned their book, like, before it even came out in the shops. Oh. And she was incredibly grateful and polite, but, like, what an <laughs> asshole. Because um, she's a first-term author. Right. Um, and, well, I think her name's Al Campbell. But when I um, recently did an interview with um, – I did a podcast with Michael Williams, the director of the Sydney Writers Festival. It's like an hour-long podcast where we discuss everything that's coming up at the Sydney Writers Festival. Oh, yeah. So have a look at that because it's a really good – oral guide to the things that Michael is excited about and also Michael is just the most entertaining man alive so he's great immediately digress and talk about weird shit like show bags um within (laughs) seconds of starting this podcast nevertheless we do get there and I'm doing a session at Sydney Writers Festival one of them that I'm doing is with um Al Campbell um, about her debut novel The Keepers which is loosely based on her own life it's Mm -hmm. um one of the uh, it's it's completely in my blood that book it was like I had to put it down a bunch of times reading it because it's full on it's about Mm. um, the central character's life bringing up two very high needs children um, without much help from the husband and um, also dealing with um, some memories of childhood trauma so there's a lot of darkness in it but it is this reverberant kind of account of um, maternal love and determination and um, and also the joy that you take in your children um, even when things are hard so mm-hmm. um, it's just an absolute jewel of a novel I really recommend it although obviously with the warning that you know if, if it brings up issues for you maybe approach it carefully um, anyway um, I think she's called Al Campbell but then um, Michael called her A.L. Campbell in our <laughs> session so I'm immediately because I've not met her and I'm really looking forward to meeting her she lives in Queensland um, <laughs> but now I'm like oh my god have I been misnaming you this whole time so that was good um, um, Mad Men music just came to my head oh sense of the falling oh, oh, oh thank god okay yeah. um i also um i uh, i've endorsed this book so i know obviously i've read it and it's just come out um it's called a great hope by a writer called jessica stanley she's an australian writer but currently now lives in london i think uh-huh. anyway it's kind of an election type book so it's kind of appropriate um the 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 main character is the daughter of a unionist a well-known unionist who like and he she sets the whole story in sort of the in and around the Rudd leadership so her dad is like a union leader and then um runs for election and um the um, central character is sort of like the troubled daughter of this union boss who turns out to have been having an affair it's like a real it's a full thriller page turner so I was very ready for it because you know how I love a literary page turner but also just the writing is just a cut above your standard 
page turner. And so when I read the first couple of chapters, I'm just like, oh, my God, this woman can really, really write. Mm. And so I absolutely pelted through it, enjoyed every second. So I really, really recommend it if you are just sort of um, looking for a spectacularly well-written, thrilling book. Okay, good. Yep. Um, also, I mentioned this because I'm in it, but mainly because it's a great <laughs> idea. Um, Rick Morton, who's a writer Excellent. I really um, respect and revere, had a really good idea um, uh, last year, I don't know, to uh, put together um, a collection, an anthology of essays by people who grew up in the country, like writers who grew up in the right. country. So it's actually just called growing up in the in country Australia. Um, I've written an essay about mouse plagues. And oh, wow. <laughs> but there's heaps and heaps and heaps of other writers. Sammy Shah's written um, uh, an essay, the great Tony Armstrong, Bridie Jabour, Lily Chan, Jay Carmichael, Holden Shepherd. lots and lots of um, great writers just reminding, just just explaining what growing up in the country means to them. So it's something I think if you've grown up in the country is a particular experience, but you don't ever really talk about it that much. So it's great to see some writers having um, an opportunity to do so. And my final one um, book that I, is the most long overdue shout out because um, it's a super useful book and I've been absolutely feasting off it in recent months. It's called The Yes Woman. Mm-hmm. It's by um, a, a woman called Grace Jennings Edquist, Ed Edquist. Um, and it's all about um, particularly women who feel compelled to say yes to things. And oh, yeah. it's got some, and it's, it sort of unpacks the reasons behind that and gives you some tools about saying no, which I really struggle with. So I found it a really useful book. There's a funny story behind it, which is that Grace, the writer, who I don't know personally, um, wrote me a lovely email um many, 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 many months ago saying, could I read the manuscript? She thought that it might be really useful for me and she'd really appreciate, you know, a bit of an endorsement or something. And I did the most unusual thing, which is I said, look, I'm absolutely so full <laughs> up. No. I can't. I'm so, how ironic, right? Like, so poor Grace. Um, anyway, um, but now I have finally read it and it is a great book so um, if you are troubled with these issues it's really super useful and nicely written and um, I found it helpful so Grace I'm sorry that I (laughs) counterintuitively said no to your initial request but um, well done it's a terrific book and one day perhaps I'll meet you. I think um, I'm getting better at saying no as I um, am putting up boundaries as I get older which is good. Um, You're a a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Let's um, pause because I've got a, a child here who's feeling a bit blah today. Well, so no, we've go, gone for 45 minutes. I, know, I want to get Sorry, sales. I know. Well, a special, special treat for the, the chatters and also because we just haven't caught up for so long. Yeah. So. 